0: Welcome to the haunted ride. Cases that leave me with more questions than they do answers. But this particular case, I, the first time I ever heard it on a podcast, which has been done numerous times on podcasts, which have done it much better than I could ever dream of doing. Immediately, I was just like, what happened to this girl? I just, I didn't understand. And I got really into it the first time I ever heard the case. And I Googled the case. And I Googled everything sort of involving the whole case. But at that point, I wasn't doing a podcast. So, of course, I didn't keep any of that. So recently, I heard it again on another podcast. And then I saw another podcast who, one of their episodes was about Elisa Lam. And I said, it kind of just brought back that whole feeling of I like just being really invested in this case. Like what happened to this girl? Like this is also why I am as a huge true crime fan. I watch investigation discovery and the missing persons cases. Those hit me the hardest. Like there are some murder cases that like really upset me or I get really involved in, especially if I think like there was just some like, the way they went about it was completely incorrect and it pisses me off. Like I'll get, if if it triggers an emotional response in me, like I get deeply embedded into this. And I think with this case, what bothers me so much is that she was going on a vacation. She was traveling around. She was doing all the things that like, I think most people dream of doing. You dream of being able to go on a vacation you dream of being able to like have that freedom and take pictures and have this great grand time. And then to know that not only did she die, but, but just, okay, let me just get into it before I ruin it. Um, you know, and also thank you guys for being a patron because that's the only way for you to listen to these episodes. Um, Alice still shouting you out because you're awesome. And I, I can't, I, I couldn't do this without you guys, without your support. Um, both community wise and monetarily wise, just thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you all. So, the sources for this are, as always, Wikipedia, and then also CNN, LA Times, PDF Archive, and Ether Fields, which is actually, um, Elisa Lam's blog. So, her name, I'm gonna try to pronounce it, but I did try to look up the, the pronunciation, and this was the closest I could get to it. Lamho E. Her parents were immigrants from Hong Kong. They owned a restaurant in Burnaby, Canada, which to begin with kind of shows how hardworking they are because it takes a lot to immigrate from one place to another. And then it also takes a lot to own and run a restaurant at the time of what happened. The restaurant was still going. So that that's, that's, they're just tough people. Because the restaurant business is not the easiest business to get into. Elisa was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression. Um, she was on medications Wellbutrin, Lamictal, Seroquin, and effer She had no history of suicide, uh, although she did apparently go missing for a short period of time. So I've had depression before. I, w- I never spoke about it. I never spoke about it really until now or recently really and so i was never on any medication or anything like that but i do know someone who did have depression and she did take medication and the medication did not affect her well it was not what she needed for her body and for her to feel better and it did make very manic episodes in her where she would black out she would wake up and not remember who people closest to her were, um, she would go into violent episodes and not remember that she ever did them. So getting the right medication for your mental health is really important. I know a lot of people don't like to think about it that way, or they don't like to tell to a doctor or talk to a therapist or stuff like that. And I understand that's your decision, but if you do need medicine, and you are brave enough and and open enough and comfortable enough to say, hey, I need help, which is a huge thing. Please also make sure that if you're taking the medication and you don't feel 110%, you feel like something's off, you feel like something's wrong, you need to tell someone. And if they don't listen to you, you need to find someone who will. So clearly, I don't know if any of these helped her, hurt her, did anything to her, but because I have personally seen that happen to someone who was extremely close to me and is um, still extremely close to me and I was in that, that situation daily, it's it's hard if it's not right. So I hope it was right for her. But I also go over that because this is a large part of what the public's eye is on this case. She, as I said, ran a blog. The first one was either Fields, which was mostly pictures of models, accounts of her life and her struggle with mental illness, I actually brought up the blog and I noticed that a lot of the posts that she actually like wrote out was about happiness. I, I didn't read everything, but there was a lot about um, happiness, community. Um, there was even a-, a point in time where she moved to Tumblr and I'll say that blog's name in a second. Although I tried to bring that blog up and I couldn't find any of the posts. So it looks like they've all been deleted I don't know if that was before Tumblr's big, like, NSFW thing or not, but there are no, the the blog actually, the name is still there and it's still up, but there's no post there whatsoever. But this is a quote from her Ether Fields blog, which is, there is a declaration throughout Tumblr that the people around them infuriate them and they hate people, but somehow those people on Tumblr, they get you. So she really seemed like she enjoyed community spaces. And really wanted to be a part of the community. Uh, She was a student at the University of British Columbia. Now, there's a little bit of confusion about this because she was a student for sure. She had a relapse in January of 2012 and she ended up dropping several of her classes and she was really concerned. And this was on her blog, uh, the Etherfields one. That she was concerned dropping so many of her classes would actually hinder her from graduating school. And there was someone whose name is Randy Schmidt. don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> uh, he's a spokes- uh, he was a spokesperson for the University of British Columbia. And he said that Lamb was registered in a class in August, but she was not registered in any classes this year, according to the records. And that was a quote from CNN. She traveled alone using the Amtrak and inner city buses. She went to the San Diego Zoo, and she seemed at least to be pretty close with her parents because she contacted them every single day. She arrived in LA on January 26th. She checked into the Cecil Hotel. Now, Cecil Hotel has a bit of a past. It doesn't really seem like the best place for a lot of people. But it's a cheap place. For people at that, at least at the time it was. I did see a sign that said something about like the cheapest place for people to to rent, but it has a completely shitty and horrible past. She was originally assigned to a shared hotel room on the fifth floor. So you had roommates, but her roommates complained about her odd behavior. So she was moved to a room all by herself. And some of the sort of checkered past of the Cecil is that Elizabeth Short, which is the Black Dahlia case, which I actually didn't know anything about until, like, a month ago, it's rumored that she made her last stop at the Cecil before she died. Goldie well, Osgood was raped and murdered there, which is also an unsolved case. So now there's two unsolved cases in this this place's past. Jack Underweger and Richard Ramirez, which were both zero killers, resided at the hotel. And there was also a history of a suicide where a woman jumped out of the window and unfortunately landed on a pedestrian and they they both died. So the Cecil just honestly was not the best place. It sounded like for most people to stay. So the plan was that Elisa would check out of the Cecil and then she would leave for a vacation in Santa Cruz. But on the day that this was supposed to happen, her parents didn't hear from her. And so they called the L.A. police. The hotel staff that saw her said that she was alone. Um, She went to a bookshop and there's a woman named Katie Orphan, who is one of the only people who have either come forward and were quoted seeing her or said that they saw her really at all. And they said that she was outgoing, very lively, and very friendly. So this was on the day... That her parents should have heard from her, didn't hear from her, also on the day that she was supposed to check out from the hotel to leave her vacation in Santa Cruz. And Elisa actually had come in to this particular bookstore and had said that she was planning on getting a book as a gift to take home to her family. So at this point, like everything's good. She seems happy. Everything's fine. Nothing seems like it's wrong. She's planning on getting gifts for her family and taking them home. So she's planning on coming home. She's not planning on, you know, staying there any longer or doing anything bad to herself or harming herself in any sort of way. So the police searched the hotel. They had dogs which did not pick up her scent anywhere. However, the police didn't, were not able to search every single room. Because they didn't have probable cause. So they searched basically as much as they could. And as much as the law would allow. But then they were... They they couldn't search anymore. They didn't have any probable cause. They didn't know what happened to her. And they didn't know that a crime had occurred, really. So on February 6th, flyers were released with her image in the neighborhood and online. And on February, February 14th, the police released this video of her in the elevator. Now... What's really interesting for me is clearly the police are releasing these things because they don't have anything to go on. They have no idea what's going on. They have no idea where she is. They don't know what happened whatsoever. So they're basically asking the public for information on this, this woman. And the elevator video, I actually remember watching it when it first came out. The only reason why I found out about it was because it was on my YouTube, and it was on the, like, news feed or something. And when I had seen it, it had been because some people were talking about, like, paranormal occurrence or something like that. I watched a video, and I was like, first off, like, what is this woman doing? Who is she talking to? And where do you see the paranormal occurrence? Are you saying that she's talking to a ghost that no one else sees? Like, that's what, that was my initial reaction to the video. I had no knowledge of it being the Elisa Lam video. I, because I think it was like posted and then reposted somewhere else. And um, I will actually see, I, it's still up on plenty of different sites. When I was doing this research, there are a ton of sites that actually have a copy of this video and I will post it on um, our social media and the blog if you guys would like to see it. But I didn't watch the video again, just because of how I feel about the whole thing. But I remember the video. I remember it clearly. And in this video, she did exhibit some strange behavior. I don't remember her mouth being pixelated completely, although that is something that was, that a lot of people have said that her mouth's pixelated. Some people have said, well, We don't really know it was her. They could have just hired an actress or an actress shot this video and then released it. But I mean, it's the police. So don't get me wrong. I don't have a ton of faith after doing these true crime cases and this research, especially last month on Henry, um, Henry and Otis, where we clearly saw that the police just used them to to solve some cases that really were never solved and so they gave a family false answers when they should have been making sure that they gave them the right answer. So it's not that I have the highest standard of belief and faith in police and our judicial system. However, I would like to believe that they would not hire an actress to play this woman and have her do these things and then be like, hey, let's release this photo or let's or let's release this video so that people can watch it and Do what? Like, what are, like... And the other thing, too, is, like, I really don't even understand why did they release this video? Was it to... Because the video shows her and the hallway. That's it. And it didn't show her talking to anyone on the hallway. So, honestly, this video made a lot of people go, well, she was just having, like, a manic breakdown. And that's why the other events happened to her. I feel like it almost... Put a lot of shame onto her as the victim because the police released this video instead of it being a video where more information should have been gathered, or that's what their goal was. I just don't understand how this video was supposed to get them more information. I, I don't. I don't see it. I don't get it. Again, I'm not a cop. I'm not an expert. I'm just a bystander over here talking about true crime and acting like I'm an expert apparently, but it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Basically what happens is she comes on the elevator a couple times. She steps off for a second. You see her pressing several buttons on on the elevator because the doors won't close. She's trying to get the elevator to move. It won't close. She steps out. She kind of peeks around, looks both directions, comes back in, tries to get the elevator to close again. Won't work. Steps into the hallway you see her kind of waving her hands, almost like she's arguing with something or someone. And then she comes back in and is pressing the buttons again. At this point, again, she's still missing. Nobody knows what happened to her. However, one of the, the theories that I want you to kind of keep in your head as we go through this is that people thought she perhaps was trying to escape someone who was um, in pursuit to to hurt her. But I don't really see that because... If you if you're on an elevator and the doors won't close and you're frantically pressing the buttons and doors won't close and you had enough time to step out of the elevator twice. She peeks out once and then steps out. If someone was running toward you to hurt you, I would think you'd just be like fuck this elevator, turn and fucking take the stairs. You know what I mean? So that theory doesn't really work for me, but keep that in your mind and keep in your mind that this woman clearly seems She'd be frantic on this elevator for some reason or another, and at some points even a little angry. As time goes on, randomly, the guests begin to complain about low water pressure in the hotel. Uh There's a quote from, again, CNN, thank you to them, who says the shower was awful. When you turn the tap on, the water was coming black first for two seconds, and then it was going back to normal. So people were claiming that the water was black and that it smelled bad. So people kept complaining about this so much that finally, maintenance went, checked the water tank, and found Elisa's body. Now that was on February 19th, and she was found in, in a 1,000 gallon tank. And in order to drain the tank of the water, they had to cut it open because the maintenance hatch was too small for the equipment. There was no ability for anyone or anything to enter that water tank via a maintenance hatch because it was too small for equipment, which means that no person would have been able to get in there that way. On February 21st, the coroner says it was accidental drowning and that her bipolar disorder was a major factor in in the whole accidental drowning. Originally, it was said that her death was inconclusive. And then they put this as the reason of why she died. She was found naked. Her clothing was found floating in the water, and it seemed to contain some sort of a sand-like particulate. Her watch and room key were also found, however, her phone was not. Which, again, she called her parents every single day. So, where was her phone? And if it was accidental, how did she somehow manage to get in there but not bring her phone with her? Especially if she's buying books and and buying gifts for her family when she comes home doesn't really make too much sense. Now, this is kind of going to get into a little detail of the autopsy and um, just some notes from it. So if you don't want to hear this, skip forward maybe a minute or two, something like that. But she was moderately decomposed, bloated with a greenish and some marbling um, on her skin around the abdomen area. There is no evidence of physical trauma, sexual assault, or suicide. The toxicology tests were incomplete because not enough blood was preserved, which, again, not an expert, but it sounds kind of strange, but okay. I mean, it could be because of the bloating and gases and stuff. Maybe it did something with the blood. I don't know. Um, there was tra- there was traces of prescription medication and non-prescription drugs. Uh, one of them was Sinatab and Ibuprofen, so, Basically normal things, it sounds like. There's a small amount of alcohol, but no recreational drugs. No rape kit or fingernail kit results were processed. If they were completed, no one knows. Which sounds very strange to me because this happened in 2013. We're not talking about 1970, 1960, 1980, even 1990. We're talking about a time like literally six years ago. They should have performed that. I don't understand why they didn't. There is no evidence of internal injuries, no marks on her neck or chest deformity. There is pooling of blood in the anus, which some people mostly Reddit, (laughs) because she has a huge community on Reddit, have discussed the fact that perhaps this happened due to the fact that something with the drowning and how the body reacts with the bloating and everything, that it, it causes stuff, and then you may have some pooling of blood in the anus. And there was no needle tracks. So clearly she had no drugs in her system that could have caused her to have this manic thought process to climb into a water tank somehow and drown herself, basically. Um, or that it was, you know, having some sort of hallucination, that it was a beautiful pool, and hey, let's go take a, uh, let's go swim in the pool, and then she can't get back out. That doesn't, that's not evident anywhere. Not, none of those are evident at all. So, a couple questions, which are, how did she get in the tank? I I will also post a picture of the tanks that I found online. Thank you, Google, and people who are involved in this case, and post things like this. Because, apparently, the doors and stair access to the roof were only accessible by employees, and any failed attempt would have triggered an alarm. So, they were trying to be secure about it. However, there was a fire escape that reached the roof. So she could have just, if she would have known about it or seen about, seen it, or especially if she was traveling around taking pictures, which was something she apparently loved to do. Um, And she's going to these different places and stuff like the zoo and sort of just enjoying her time in this, in the city and in this place. I mean, unless, unless somehow it was hard to see the fire escape, I'm pretty sure she could have figured out if it was there. And someone actually made a video later that showed the fire escape did provide access to the roof. And they also showed that the water tanks were open. Now, this is like a huge controversial thing for me because there were articles that said the water tanks were open. And honestly, it was only two. It was one, the the mention about this in a video that showed that the water tanks were open, which I didn't find. And then two was a police detective... That said that it was easy to open the water tank. However, I can't really agree with that. Because when I looked at the pictures and you look at the height difference from these firefighters who had to go get a ladder to get into the water tank to try to get her out. And you see how high these water tanks are. It's not possible. It's not possible but she could have just, like, crawled up somehow, unless she's, unless she's, like, Spider-Woman. There's no way for her to have crawled up the water tank without having a ladder, and a ladder was not found. Um, and also, the police dogs were on the roof, and they did not pick up percent. However, they were not taken near the water tanks. So, to share something that bothers me about that, my house was broken into in 2017. Now, I was home when the person broke into my house. I confronted them. I made them leave. Because I was like, Mm-mm, I don't think so. And, and I, I, it was a thing. So when the cops came, they brought everything. They even brought a helicopter, which I did not know the helicopter was for me. Until I realized, like, it was flying over the area. They had blocked off the roads. They brought Dogs. Now, I had seen the person go a particular way, but when they had the dogs, I watched the dogs go the other way, and I was like, "What are they doing?" And at one point they brought they said, "We have a suspect, we need you to see if this is a the person they They put me in the back of the police car and basically had me do the whole drive by routine. The dog was sitting there at this person because it had found them now. I did not realize it was a person, because apparently he had been in trouble for this before and had gotten out. And so he knew to put a temporary washable dye in his hair and wear color-coded contacts. So while his body frame sort of looked similar, he clearly had just gotten out of the shower. His hair looked completely different, and his eyes looked different. So I was like, I'm not... Like, I wanted to say it was him, but then I was like, well, what if I'm wrong? And I was like, and this person clearly had these details, and I don't see them. The only reason why they found out that it was him was because he came back and he did it somebody else the next day. And they caught him. So, again, he left my house, went to his house, took a shower. The dog could still find him. And, and I'm not going to lie, like, when he... When he came into my house, I was using the bathroom, which means there were specific strong scents from me, and then a couple scents from him, and the dog found him no problem. I don't understand how the dogs would have had to be taken over to that specific area if they were already on the roof. I also don't understand how they didn't pick up her scent if she was clearly using the elevator, and also clearly going to different places, leaving the building, coming back. Granted, there seemed to be a lot of people there. That means there's a lot more contamination of scents than there was in my home, because it was only me, and then this person. So there's only two cents for doll to, to try to sift through, not, you know, 20, 40, 60 cents of people coming in and out of that hotel. That may have been a little bit harder, but how many people were able to go on the roof? Shouldn't there have been a little bit less sense on that particular building? I mean, yeah, the wind blows and creates a sense and stuff like that. And, and you know, maybe I'm trying to, I'm not trying to blame the dog at all. Or, or and I, I'm I'm not even really fully trying to blame the police. But my point is just, I feel like they didn't really believe she was missing. I think they did that whole, yeah, we'll go a track. And then they left. And then when they didn't find anything for a couple of days, they're like, oh, shit. Maybe she's really missing. Like, I, th- I feel like they did that, that, that critical thing that we watch them do in every goddamn case. Where it's like, you got 48 hours, honey. You gotta be missing 48 hours. They're going adult. E- even after 48 hours, sometimes they don't want, they don't, they don't care still. From the family's perspective, they think they still don't care. And then like, what the fuck why didn't she run a fingernail or a rape kit where are her prints on this water tank why do we not know that information if i can pull up a goddamn autopsy report why couldn't i find that why could no one find her fingerprints on the water tank if you want to clear up all this shit and clear up how did she get in the water tank and anything like that i don't know did she find her fingerprints on the door Did she find her fingerprints on the top of the tank? And when I looked, I I, it said it was a four by eight foot cylinder, which was then again, which was then further propped up by cement blocks. I'm five foot four. I can reach up maybe, maybe like let's say five eleven with my arm. So how the fuck am I gonna get up eight feet, not including the cement blocks? Again, when you see the picture, it's gonna make a lot more sense that there's no way you can reach up that high like there's there's no way she just like wrapped your wrapped your fingers around the top of this tank and then like skirmied her way up and then dived in and then threw her clothes in did she take off her clothes while she was in the tank it doesn't make any sense where's her phone like why didn't they have pings by them I'm pretty sure they, I'm pretty sure they knew the whole ping system by then. Again, this is 2013, it's not that old. And why do we not know where the sand particulates came from? And I even sat down and I thought about it because in Florida, we have horrible water. So you cannot drink the tap water whatsoever. If you do, it will make you sick. You have to have a filter, and if you wash your dishes and your dishwasher, stuff like that, you wash your clothes, whatever, If you're not careful and you don't have a water softener, eventually you will get those spots and stuff and everything on there from hard water stains. Get it all in the faucets, get it everywhere, you've got to use the whole vinegar or rough shit on everything. It's a whole thing. Now, I don't know how that comes up in a lab, but could that be part of the sand particulate? Is that just the water in California? But if you can drink drink from the tap, I'm assuming that your water doesn't have sand. So where did it come from? And then again, like, if she was able to get it in the water tank by herself, how did she close the water tank? The the person who said they found this video, or they posted this video, that the water tanks were open. Well, when the police were there, the water tank was closed. So either it was open, and someone closed it. Or she opened it, and then closed it. If you're, if you're saying it's accidental, no murder occurred. Makes no, And then y- there was no ladders found. So somehow you want me to believe that this woman is either spider woman or Woman. Freaking reached into to the top, skirmied her way in, said fuck my clothes, took them off, left her cell phone somewhere else that has never been found. Especially in a place where she had already lost her cell phone before, apparently. I read it in one report and someone bought her a new phone. So typically, I think when most people lose something, they attempt to be more careful about not losing it the second time. I would think that it would be more, she would make, make sure, don't lose my phone, don't lose my phone, don't lose my phone. You get that thought in your head when you lose something. Like, like I, if I lost my keys, I'd be like, don't lose your keys, don't lose your keys, don't lose your keys again after I found them. So, are you trying to say that she's just, I guess, that sort of clumsy? Or not really clumsy, but she just doesn't think about things or doesn't, doesn't weight things in this way where like, oh, I lost my thing. I should be more careful and make sure I don't lose this thing again. Like that doesn't make any sense. And I have a quote here that really, when I saw it, it really hit me. And I was just like, man, that's fucked up. It's from someone whose name is Demetrius Wyman. And this is from the LA Times. And they quoted this person as saying, it's common for people to go missing around here, he said. But not dead and missing, especially in a water tank. And that hit me because, like, so so not only does this place have a horrible history of this easel, it was common for people to go missing there. And that, that goes back to the whole police thought of, okay, so she was where and how long has she been missing? oh, we're not going to devote everything to this because that's a common occurrence. People go missing there all the time. Again, investigation discovery. Haven't you heard people on the interviews that have said the police told them this and this is why they, like, backed off and didn't didn't search right away or didn't devote all the resources they really should have to the case because they were like, people go missing here all the time, lady. Like, what else do you want us to do? Or people go here, go... Missing here all the time, guy. What else do you want us to do? That's a horrible way to think about it. That's horrible. And I think that's what makes this case so special. Is it's those moments where, like, you believe this, this being or person or community or whatever will help protect you and help take care of you. And then you see these moments where they fail you. And I feel like I really don't want this to be, like, a continuous process where, where they fail me. Like, I feel betrayed. Because I do feel betrayed. In this case and the case before, I feel betrayed. I feel betrayal for the families. For this family. For, for the victims. Like, it hurts me. But those are the ca- – for some reason, those are the cases that hit me the hardest. And I, I, I promise you I will do a case where the police did everything right – And everything that should have been done needed to be done. And we were good to go. And we never have to get back to this point where I feel betrayed again. But I feel betrayed in this case. I feel like they didn't do the justice. They they didn't give her the justice she deserves. However, as I said, there's a huge community around this case. And part of that is the media. So the film Hungry Ghost Ritual was based on Elisa's death. There's an episode of Castle, which I loved Castle, and I remember this episode. Never knew anything about this case, though. So, but I I remember this episode. It's the episode titled Watershed, where there's a woman who seems to be found in a water tank. And it's a whole thing, and I'm not going to ruin it for someone who's watching Castle. But that, that episode, Watershed, is actually very close to this story. There is an episode on how to get away with murder. I believe it was from season one, maybe, that was inspired by Elisa's death. I haven't watched that show yet, so I, I can't tell you which one it is. But apparently it's from season one. The Zolas, they have a song called Ancient Mars, which is about Elisa's last moments exploring the city, which I just think is so beautiful. I think it's so beautiful that they painted this beautiful, happy picture for her. And one of the singers, uh, Zach Gray, was quoted as saying, it bugged me how tidily people explained away her disappearance with drugs or mental illness. And that's why I harped on earlier so hard, making sure that you have the right health prescriptions for you if you need it. Because I have seen someone go down that track where they didn't have it, but based on what these, what you know, Katie Orphan said, Elisa did. I mean, maybe she didn't. Maybe it was just an act. She had bipolar disorder. Maybe she just went from one extreme to another, and maybe her extreme at that time was being happy, and then she went to the extreme of extreme depression, and she couldn't take it anymore. But again, we clearly saw that someone performed suicide by jumping out of a window at the Cecil. Which means it could have been done. She could have just done that. What would be the reason for finding a way to go through all this trouble of going up the fire escape and taking off all your clothes, holding them all with you, and your watch, and your room key climbing into a water tank that was eight feet tall, somehow having a ladder that then was never found again, and then getting into the tank and, and killing yourself that way. If you really wanted to die, why why would you go through that much? You know what I mean? That makes no sense. Like that's that's the thing with his cases. Makes no sense. Similar to the other one. Makes no sense. And he also Zach Gray, so going back to the quote, Zach Gray, um, he attended the University of British Columbia, around the same time that Elisa did. He did not know Elisa, but he had a friend who knew her. And he said, though it's mostly fiction, we wanted people to see it and feel like, and he's talking about the, the song and the video and everything, see it and feel like she was a real girl and a familiar girl, not just a police report. And I fucking, I want to applaud that person so much for that. There is another song by Kale the Sun called Disappearing Syndrome which was inspired by Elisa's story. And this pissed me off. <laughs> Again, feel betrayed and then pissed off by this part of the, the part of the story. Which was there is a tour by Richard Scave, I think his last name, and his wife Kim Cooper who conduct a true crime and oddities tour, and they call it the Hotel Horrors and Main Street Vice. This is from CNN. And it's all the people who were killed, or who have killed, in the Cecil Hotel. And Elisa's story is now part of that. Isn't that a delightful way to keep it, keep the story alive? By making sure that you make some money off of it, and all these other people's stories. Don't get me wrong, I know a ton of people do it, but, like, I, I hope they just pay homage to her case and every other case that's on there. Because if they don't, like, you're horrible people. So, I I struggled with this part of the story. Which, if you've heard the story before, then you know what's coming. I, I, I even to the point that I thought about not including it originally, but then I sat down and I was like, you know what, this part of the story... And there is a part of it that is very interesting. And when I had hinted the story, I hinted this part, which, which was the paranormal aspect of this case. So in Korea, there's apparently something called the elevator game. Basically, we're going to go through the rules of the game. I'm not, I don't want to get too, like, into it, but we're going to go through the rules. So to begin with, it can only be played on an elevator with 10 floors. No one else can get on while you're in the beginning stages of the game. So... The way for you to play it is you essentially press floor four. You're going to stop at that floor. You don't get off. Then you do floor two. Do the same steps. Don't get off. Floor six. Wait for it to get to the floor. Don't get off. Floor 10. Wait for it to... It's floor 10. Don't get off. Floor five. And then you're going to press the number one. If it goes down then you have something that you have to do if it goes up to the 10th floor then congratulations you've arrived you have now successfully begun to play this game and basically what happens is if you get up to floor 10 you'll be in a different world than our world It mirrors our world but there's like differences now on floor five no oh, sorry sorry so the thing is, so if if you get on and you press for the number one and it goes up to floor 10, congratulations, now you're playing the game. If you press for floor one and it goes down to floor one, you are to get off. Do not look back. Do not. So basically like Monopoly, go straight to jail. Don't pass go. Don't collect your $200. You leave that elevator. You don't come back. Don't try it again. Don't play it again. Don't do nothing else. Don't look back. Don't talk. Don't speak. Just walk. Now on floor five there is a woman who may enter. If this happens, you are not supposed to look at her at all. You don't look at her, don't acknowledge her, don't engage with her, don't don't anything. Um, if you speak with her, apparently she becomes hostile and she will try to provoke you. Now I did read one of the stories where the person essentially did do this, and she goes, she basically like just tries everything she can to like appeal to you in a way that pisses you off and then creates sympathy, uh, if that doesn't work, and then returns to trying to piss you off. So she she really tries to fuck with you as much as possible. And the only one thing I will say, because a lot of people say that Elisa played the elevator game before she disappeared, and that's why she somehow ended up dead in the water tank. I don't agree with that. But I will say, the one thing that I asked you guys to keep in your head was... There is a moment on the elevator. She gets out and she starts flailing her arms. And she looks like she's yelling at something. Now the woman, her one goal is to piss you the fuck off. If you were yelling at her, boom, there you go. There's your issue number one. That's where all shit hits the fan. So if shit didn't hit the fan beforehand, you acknowledge her and you yell at her, shit hits the fan for sure. If you don't yell at this woman, you make it 410. A lot of people say that when you come out, there'll be a really dark hallway, it's really hard to breathe, it feels like you're suffocating. Um, you will be alone apart from the woman in the elevator, but she's not gonna come out with you. I mean, basically you can look at her as she's just gonna be a bitch the whole goddamn time. And then she's also gonna be like, oh okay, well I'll just stand here. And laugh at you while you make stupid decisions. Walk off this elevator and is basically like, welcome to my world, bitch. I've already been here, so I don't need to come out. But you go have your fun. Good luck. That's how how I imagine her attitude to be. So some people say that when they're exploring the world in the distance, there's like a red cross. Some people say there isn't a red cross. One person who I think he had broken the rules and had looked at the woman, but didn't engage with her. He said when he looked out, he just saw, like, a field of of corpses and bodies, dismembered bodies. A lot of people do say, though, that when you're trying to come back, so in order for you to come back to, like, the normal world, you have to get on the elevator again, press all the buttons, and then when it tries to go up to the 10th floor again, press any button, basically, to cancel it out and go along your merry way. But some people say that when you try to come back to the elevator, it seems like it gets further and further away, And there is a chance where you might get on the wrong elevator, which I'm sorry that like that, the idea of that terrifies me. The idea that like you are in a foreign place, you're trying to get to your like right destination and you somehow get on your wrong one. And there's no way for you to know until something bad happens. Like that's horrible. If you end up on the wrong elevator, essentially there's there's a rumor of people being trapped in this other world, which typically happens because they got on the wrong elevator or they fainted. Um, if that happens, you will wake up in your bed and it'll seem like you're at home, but things will be wrong. Like if you make popcorn, it'll have a meaty flavor to it, which I don't understand how if you go through this whole thing, and you were in a hotel and or or a building, you would have to be in somewhere that has like a 10th floor to play this game. So unless it was an apartment building, you I'm assuming you're somewhere that is not, does not have your bed in it. It's difficult for me to believe that you get on this thing, you do all these things, you remember this woman, you remember your life so clearly and vividly and really that you got on this elevator. You remember the other world, you remember the suffocating factor, and then you remember fainting, and then when you wake up, you're in bed. And your first thought is, let me go make some popcorn. What? <laughs> like, the fuck? That makes no sense to me at all. It, don't get me wrong. I've had dreams. I mean, we, we talked about it in last week's episode about past lives. We talked about the fact that I've had dreams that felt so incredibly real I was amazed I was still alive when I woke up in the morning. So I'm not saying it's impossible to have this dream or have this experience. I think it's really awkward that you would have this experience and your first thought is let me wake up, go to the kitchen, and go make some fucking popcorn. And then, oh, why does my popcorn taste like meat? What? Also, uh, there were some reports about foods. In general, like, foods will taste incorrectly. Um, Sounds may be wrong, like, uh, the the chirping of a bird might just sound a little like screeched and weird and just awkward and and this again is all basically if you faint in the world or you get on the wrong elevator, basically just what seems to happen is like you're trapped in the world, but there doesn't i, I again I didn't really sit down and like read all the stories I wasn't researching it for that purpose, but if that happens how do how do people know it happened? You know what I mean? Like, if you're trapped in this other world, who's writing this story that somehow they know you're trapped? I don't understand. Unless people are whipping out Ouija boards when they can't find these people because they're trapped in the other world. And then those people are talking back to them and being like, hey, yeah, I played the elevator game and now I'm trapped in the other world and this is what happened. For people who come on the right elevator, they walk off. Uh, Something else that I couldn't really figure out was if you pause the whole situation, so like, you know, you're going up to the 10th floor, you press any button so you cancel it out and you're able to go to your normal floor and leave. How, like, why are you able to walk off and be okay in that area, but you're not, you're not able to walk off and without any like warnings if you get to the first floor and leave? That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. So you're, what you're basically telling me is like if I hit any floor, so if I, if so if I play this game and I press the first floor and the button and it takes me to the first floor, I have to make sure that I walk off, I don't look, don't talk, don't speak, don't look back, don't anything, just keep walking, stay my steady pace and walk out the building. But if I'm playing this game, I've gone to this I've gone to this other dimension, and now I've got to press all these buttons, and essentially do the same thing. I did to get to the other dimension with the one difference of pressing any key to cancel the ascent back to the 10th floor. So let's say I press the key for the sixth floor. Do I still do the same warnings of where I don't look back? I don't engage. I don't talk. You know what I mean? Like where, where is the breakdown between, okay, it's not okay here, but it is okay. I don't, that's what I don't understand. Why can you interrupt it in one place? But in all reality, by playing by pressing the first floor button, in the original thought process, you can't do this. But if you press any other button, like, it it, it confuses me. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't mean to confuse you, either, but it confuses me. But for people who have apparently escaped this after playing the game, they will dream of the woman. They're haunted by the woman. Haunted by um, things that they've seen. They'll dream that they're still in the other world, that they never got out. Some people report that basically they have like a lot of paranoia. Like they see the woman's face everywhere they go. Like they're just scared out of their minds. So the last thing I wanted to say about this was a quote from journalist Steve Erickson, who had stayed the night at the Cecil Hotel. And he said, the Cecil will reveal to you whatever it is you're a fugitive from. I don't know what that means. I don't know. Is he saying it's haunted? Is he saying, like, is this like a, is this place like a Stephen King novel, basically? If so, are there other accounts from other people who stayed there? Is this only after Elisa's death? What happened with Elise's death? There's so many questions. So many things, like, I don't know and I don't understand and I don't get. I don't think that she played this game and that's why she ended up dying. But I will say actually something. This whole situation, and maybe this is part of why it means so much to me, is it reminds me of one of the movies that I love, Constantine. Now, I know that that was a comic. And so that means that the movie was based rudimentally on the comic, I think is what most people who are uh, comic enthusiasts would would say. I I don't know. I've never read the comic. I've never read a comic. I have no idea. But, not to ruin the movie for anyone. So, again, skip about a minute or two over this if you don't want it to be ruined for you. In Constantine, there's a woman from a mental hospital who commits suicide. And it's because she had been seeing things. And the reason, and the thing she was seeing was from what they considered essentially hell which was an all-red world that was difficult to breathe. And you see that world when Constantine puts his feet into the water and is talking to his voodoo friend who sent, sends him there to find where her spirit is. And her spirit, I think, is supposed to be in hell. And and there actually, if I remember correctly, there's even a, a part where there's, like, a red cross in it. And the whole theory is that, like, both both her and her twin sister are powerful psychics. But... The alive sister is more of a powerful psychic than the unalive sister. And the alive sister is also a skeptic where the not now not alive sister is not a skeptic or, and it was a whole thing. And so that's why they separated and they didn't talk. And that's why one was in the mental hospital and one was living her life as a detective. And so there's a whole thing and a whole, all this about this. But if I remember correctly, that the premise as to why this woman committed suicide was because she had a message for her sister that she needed to deliver and she was also being haunted by things she couldn't take it anymore and they were telling her to do these things herself so finally she just submitted to it and did it the elevator game reminds me a lot about this and the the thought process that she was driven to commit suicide reminds me a lot about But I don't think that Elisa committed suicide. I don't think she did. Because every time I try to believe that, I wonder what happened to her belongings. If she bought a book for her family, which I didn't see if she did buy one or not, what happened to it? Where's her wallet? How did they actually, I mean, yeah, they've got flyers and stuff like that, so they knew it was her picture. But where was her identification cards? Where was her school card? Wouldn't that have been able to tell you if she was in school or not? What about the ladder? Why was there no ladder found? Did a maintenance worker come up and go like, Hey, look, a random ladder is over here leading on the water tank or it fell or let me go put it away. But then he didn't bother looking. Maybe he's the one who closed the tank. Or she. Okay, so if you open and close the tank, wouldn't you have seen the body in there? I, I just don't understand. I uh, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some some sort of paranormal aspect to this, and maybe a spirit did get to her, or was haunting her, and that's what she was arguing with in and outside of the elevator, or what was screwing with her, and she'd had enough of it, but if that's the case, she was leaving. That's why I think the she was leaving the hotel. If there was something that was bothering or hurting her, and she did do this to herself, she was leaving. So what was the purpose? I just have so many questions. Anyhow, I hope that you guys just take care of yourselves. And if you need help, don't be afraid to say that you need help. And if someone doesn't listen to you, find someone else. Because you're important. And I think that's what's the most important. And by all accounts, from what I read in my research, it looks like Elisa did do that. So then I don't understand how she ended up in this this situation. I really, I just, I don't. Anyways, take care, guys. Stay sane, stay safe. And don't let the ghost kitchen. Bye.